There should be another facility across that bridge. It's a bit of a hike, but should we check it out? It's not like Command to get a location wrong. I guess even they get bad intel from time to time, huh? Hmm. I wouldn't bet on that. Like, introduce the game a little bit. I don't... I put, like, some basic, basic info from Wikipedia just about, like, when it was released and the developer and that all that good stuff um but you you probably would be the one to, to introduce the game don't you think uh in theory um <laughs> i guess like i don't know that much about the actual creation of it it was more just you know like my personal experience with it um i do know that it is at least the second game in the series i think it's just technically the third because replicant was released in Japan before Automata, and now we are going to get Replicant this year, in theory. They're going to localize it for English in the U.S. Um, it is a sequel to the original 2010 Nier, which was famously, like, impossible to play, <laughs> um, but had a really, like, a bunch of really interesting ideas um, involved with it. Um, the creator... Um, I believe it's Yoko Taro. Um, he's the, the auteur developer who is like behind the whole series, and he's got a really strange sort of like persona in the gaming world. Like every time he makes a public appearance, he wears this like creepy mechanical stone head thing over his own head, um, which features in uh, the all of the mirror games from what i understand we will actually encounter um the creepy stone head at one point um i've seen i've seen pictures of that and that's for real like he always goes out in public that way i believe or so interviews yeah like <laughs> at, the, at the least you know all of his public appearances like when he shows up at e3 or or stuff like that you know promotional stuff i'm not sure if like He's also going to GDC in that. <laughs> but, um, but suffice it to say, it is a, a sort of important part of his persona um, at this point. Um, I stumbled across the game. Like, I, I had heard of the first one when it first came out. Like, I read a couple reviews, and it was kind of just not my thing. Like, I might have tried it if I was feeling a little gutsier, and at that point I was actually renting games, so I, I might have taken a stab at it. Uh, but it sort of passed me by without remark. Uh, but then when Automata came out, it was making a bit of a bigger stir. Um, it was... Not the sort of, you know, clunky, like, homemade kind of game that um, Taro had been working at in the past. And, uh, in fact, like, Platinum Games had teamed up with him. And Platinum, I knew, like, they, they were well um, well regarded in the industry. They, you know, they're the guys behind Bayonetta. Um, I had played Vanquish. Um, they, they have a bunch of interesting titles under their belt. Um, and they, they have this sort of weird style of, like, super difficult games that are easy to pick up, but they all, like, measure your, your combat performance Devil May Cry style. Um, so they're all about finesse and control and, like, executing the coolest ever combo ever. Um, <laughs> so the idea that, you know, here we had Taro the auteur whose vision would frequently did not translate to the medium all that well, paired up with a studio that was famous for, you know, actually doing video game video games. Um, and it seemed like a match made in heaven. 
Um, so it was also just this weird entry. Like nobody saw near Automata coming. Um, you know, mm. you don't get that many high-profile AAA games like from a relatively unknown s series, even in Japan. Um, you know, getting the big bucks, getting the the high-profile release, getting all the the bells and whistles um, when it comes out. Um, so I was like aware when it happened, and I want to say that was 2017 when it first came mm. out. But I didn't. Again, I you know stayed off of it. I didn't quite like jump on the bandwagon immediately. Uh, but my friend John, who is a pretty hardcore Japanophile, um, he is much in love with his PS4, and you know anytime some cool new JRPG or something equivalent comes out, I can trust him to, to be all over it. And he told me I had to play it. Like, this was not optional. I'm pretty sure he even, like, bought it for me for Christmas at one point on Steam and was like, okay, no more excuses. Like, go play it. Um, and I did. And it blew my mind. Like, you know, even from that first play session, you know, going back to it for the first time today in probably at least two, three years at this point, you know, just the weightiness of the music and those, like, gut-punch lines, you know, the, the sort of bombast that surrounds it, which is almost comical at times, like, it, it's almost too much. Um, but it just, you know, it, it's it's very clearly throwing everything it's got at the wall. Like, this is... They know it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They know that they're not going to get this chance again, so they're leaving nothing behind. Like, they're going to come at this with every story beat, every mechanical, you know, trick. Like, anything that they can come up with, anything that they want to put into this game, they're going to. Um, and, you know, it, it's very strangely structured. Like, we've, we've talked about, you know, how we're going to actually pull this off. Um, it is, for the most part, linear. Um, but it's, there's like five different endings and they're not, you know, parallel. Like, it's not like you play the same game and then you have to like go back to a certain point and then get, do some other criteria to get the second ending. Like, you can't get the second ending until you've gotten the first ending. You can't get the third ending until you've gotten the second ending. Um, they have a clear progression to them. Um, and just... You know, there's so much about this game that defies convention as far as video games are concerned, insofar as, like, you do have to play through the first ten hours twice in order to get to, you know, the actual rest of the story, which is clearly being teased. Um, and there's, like, it's a strange hybrid of genre as well. Like, you can see a lot of bullet hell gameplay mixed in among the Platinum Games action stuff and the RPG elements and... It's just really strange as games go, very unique. Um, and then once you get into the story, it's just a whole other ballgame altogether. Um, so, so of the, I mean, of the things you're discussing, when you said it, it, it really blew your mind when you played it, was that taking all of this together, was it one thing more than the others that, that stood out to you? Or was it like the payoff of the story ultimately that, that you feel we should like really focus on as we're playing this game? It was a what, combination what of things. Um, like, I was struck, not blown away by, but struck by the initial like fusion of the action RPG and the, the bullet hell gameplay. 
because um, I, you know, I dabbled in both genres quite a bit. Like, I, I haven't done very well at Bullet Hell games. The serious ones are ludicrously hard. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, it was something that I was interested in. I thought that it actually mashed quite nicely um, in this particular setup. Like, you know, JRPGs have been sort of struggling to break into the real-time 3D model for quite a while. This seemed like a really innovative way to solve that problem. Um, but what really got me, like the first time that I sat down to the game, it was like, wait, this is something more than, you know, what I've expected or anything that I've encountered before, is the first time that you actually land on the planet, which we haven't done yet, I admit, and you start seeing the world that they have invented. Um, like, just, you, you catch glimpses of it through the course of the prologue. Like, there's that great moment where you're, like, walking around that big industrial drum thing, and there's, like, a, a moment where they're like, hey, wait, there are birds. Like, yeah. Tuna stops, and 9S is talking to her about it, and he's like, yeah, the, the ecosystem has changed, and now there's a lot more plants and animals than there used to be. Um, and it puts every, it, like, it takes you back for a second. Like, here you've been wandering around this, you know, bog standard industrial factory environment like it, it, it's very predictable it's very you know video gamey like generations of games all the way back to like early first person shooters and early you know you, you can imagine the magitech research facility for from kafka it like there's it's so storied in that sense and yet it stops to show you that this is a world that is a post-apocalyptic world but it's coming around again like this is this is not the the dreary wasteland of, of a fallout or a mad max this is you know the world's second chance um it, it's a place that is now coming alive again um and that's you know when you first start walking through that like second chance alive world when you start wandering among these buildings that have all been like burnt out by trees growing out of their windows and bushes cracking the asphalt like there's something really powerful about it um and something really relaxing like it is strange yeah. as it is to say about this game like i find it really calming um I want to say that I played it like right after I played Breath of the Wild, and they were actually a really nice complement to one another. Because Breath of the Wild is doing the same thing. Here's the world destroyed and now on its its second legs. But near Automata, you know, there, there's nothing... Where Breath of the Wild is constantly telling you to look over the next corner and find something to do, near Automata will always tell you when there's something to do. But there's a lot of just travel, like aimless wandering through the buildings, you know, maybe you fight, maybe you walk around the, the potential enemy encounter. It's, it encourages you to be meditative. Um, and I'm impressed by that. Like, that's a hard thing to do in a video game that is ostensibly, you know, platinum games, reflex, action, craziness. Um, so I got to say, like, watching Steve play it on, on the Twitch stream that he set up, uh, was really really cool, um, and those moments, you know, of quiet and and exploration, they stood out even in this pretty action heavy like intro sequence that that we played up. 
like the first hour or so of the game for today, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but I have to confess, like I am not actually playing this one, so I'm 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 just a spectator on this, uh, and so I'll I guess I'll mostly be asking questions, right? But um, but it's still yeah, those kind of meditative moments. Maybe they stand out all the more because they're juxtaposed, right, within this uh, like frenetic kind of awe-inspiring, you know, uh, action gameplay. Spectacle right? fighter, I think some would call it. Mm -hmm. well, so, Steve, like, what what struck you as you have been playing this first few hours of the game uh, and, and working at it and practicing it? Um. I think just the scope and how you're thrown into the deep end. Um, I also think the introduction is really interesting. It starts off um, with the character of voiceover saying, you know, everything that lives is d designed to end, mm -hmm. um, you know, perpetually trapped in a never ending spiral of life and death, which, you know, I, that kind of goes back to what Ben was saying about the birds um, coming back to this world where, you know, animals cease to exist and now they're, they're starting to make a comeback. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just full of energy on those kinds of times when you're fighting the enemies. But otherwise, yeah, the, the music was very calming. Um, the music was calming, I think, throughout. Maybe not during the, the boss, which we haven't talked about yet. But uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see where this is going. Um, and, and I think there are going to be very interesting philosophical di discussions about... Um, you know, just just yourself. Like, what what even constitutes life, really? Um, yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. The so there's, I think, a lot of levels on which we could approach discussing this, and I like that we'll get to kind of get another crack at the opening because we'll be forced to do a lot of this over again. Yeah. But um, but maybe just to like get some of the gameplay mechanics out of the way because I'm curious about this stuff because I'm not actually doing it. Um. I was asking Steve just before we started about like the camera controls. That was one thing that I was curious about because it's it's noteworthy how not only the gameplay shifts from a um, like a shoot 'em up bullet hell thing to the action sort of uh, glamour gameplay, right? Uh, where you bust through that wall and your mech suit is is totaled, and so you're just like well, apparently a person, but I guess an android or something, right? Um, left with just your sword and your uh, your little pod that shoots bullets for you, right? Um, there, there's, there's also this distinctive shift in the camera angle that happens from time to time to, you know, give you the coolest possible glimpse of the action, I, I suppose. Um, but also to almost like... Steve, you were saying it's almost like it shifts from 2D to 3D uh, gameplay. So yeah, you, don't, you don't control that, right? It's just, that's automatic. Yeah, that's correct. Um, okay. But yeah, you're right. That was the other thing that kind of struck me was just how cinematic um, a yeah. lot of the shots seem to be. Um, I, I think the game knows about how big the scope is, and it's really doing a good job of conveying um, just how big it's going to be. Um, yeah, it, it, it is frequently very composed like especially in that prologue like it is very very composed that'll fall away a little bit once we actually get into like open world stuff um okay but 
you know, you are absolutely right to sort of point out the like 3D to 2D shifts and, you know, the, the sort of dynamic camera angle to make it seem, you know, the most exciting possible as possible. But, you know, I think part of that also, you know, it drives home that, that bullet hell element. Like, as much as this is an action game, it keeps wanting to be a bullet hell game. Um, yeah. So, you know, every time it, it can, it'll take that top-down view, and now you're, like, dodging bullets left to right, or it'll, you know, fix its, fix the camera at this wide view, so now you're basically playing a side-scroller. Um, and that's, you know, I'm sure that's by design. Like, the, even in the action segments, you know, they, they tell you, they give you this elaborate tutorial. It's like, you press this button, and, and that's your weak attack. You press this button, and it's your strong attack. And, you know, using them in combinations gets, gets you different stuff, which you sort of, like, just figure out by experience because they don't tell you anything about it. Um, <laughs> but always you can start shooting. Um, yes. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm playing on my... On, I am playing the game on my Xbox controller as I did the first time. Um, and, like, it's just, you know, I'm running around hitting X and Y to, to slash things, but my right finger never leaves the trigger. Like, I'm just always <laughs> firing. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I found that that's a really effective tactic in this game, to just never let up. Um, but that also means that you're, you know, th that freneticism... Like, it's, it is relentless. Like, you are attacking three different ways simultaneously. Um, <laughs> like, you're, you're using your, your bot's powerful shot, and you're firing all the rest of the time while it cools. Meanwhile, you're doing the sword fighting, like, and, you know, always getting ready to dodge. That dodge is so critical. Um, and it is. It's, like, it's, it's a head trip. Um, and some of that is definitely the Platinum Games influence, but this is this is crazy even for them. Um, like, I, I think it is meant to be overwhelming when you get into, into combat. Like, I think it is supposed to not be something always in, under your control. So... Like one of the first things you see is the the laser, right? This huge laser just like lances out and annihilates all your your teammates or your crewmates or whatever, right? Until you're the only one left. Nine um, uh, S is your sort of support guy who pops in a bit later. Um, but there's also so Corey is asking in the chat about like the bubble attacks that are like slow. They look sort of like lasers but in bubble form and they kind of just drift towards you kind of gently almost but they but they still damage you so do you know are we supposed to know at this point like what is going on with the bubbles and why you can like kill some of them but some of them seem immune to your attacks am i reading that right yep uh, that's that's another one of those sort of um that's a very typical bullet hell game like cliche like that's something that you run into in Ikaruga and, and all the Xseed games um like it, it is commonly the case that you will have bullets that you can shoot down in order to like avoid getting hit yourself um mm -hmm. now obviously when the game is full 3d it, it's kind of hard to like actually stop them usually it's more effective to jump them or dodge them or whatever the case may be um but it is again like it's very much drawing from those conventions there. Um, and, and there is a clear difference. Like the light colored ones you can shoot and stop, the dark colored ones you have to dodge. 
um, or at least you know it's quasi clear. I guess. Take, again, you figure it out, little, right? Yeah, yeah. You die enough times, and you figure it out. <laughs> and and when you get hit, the screen like glitches, which yes. I think is really cool. It's sort of like time almost pauses for a second there. Um, I don't know. Is there is there a noticeable knockback, or is it really just like like drilling into the player, like you got hurt, like you should know that you are in pain and you're losing health now, right? Like, take a minute and come back and and don't let that happen again. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. There is occasional knockback. I think there's more stun than knockback. Like it prevents you mm -hmm. from from being able to strike for a little bit. Um, you'll also notice that when you get really low on health, um, and it was probably something that wasn't quite easy to pick up on, but like the screen would go black and white for a moment, um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you would automatically use a little health thing. Like it, it would say on at the bottom of the screen or at the top, like small restore used, um, and it would like oh, go interesting. two thirds. Um, yeah, but you didn't see that. I didn't get hit that much. I didn't have to. Eat that. <laughs> Never well, I got hit all yeah. the time, so I was I was, I very much noticed that. Um, but yeah, uh, the other thing that you'll notice is when you successfully dodge an attack like very well, the game will also go like into this black and yellow um, sort of like silhouette mode, and that gives you a f like everything will slow down, and it gives you a free opportunity to to attack whatever it was you oh, cool. dodged. Um, so again, that dodge move is super important because under the right circumstances, if you dodge it exactly the right way and counterattack in exactly the right way, she'll like catapult enemies up in the air and cut them into tiny pieces. Like, yeah. it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, I saw a few of those. Steve, Steve executed a few of those. Uh, some involved just like kicking the enemy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, which was great. Uh, the um, the Ikaruga game that you mentioned, have either of y'all played that? Or any of you, that is? Uh, I've seen it. I know what it's about, but no, I haven't really played it. Okay. I I remember reading about that game back when it came out or was released or, you know, whatever. Um, but I never got around to playing it. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not really well versed in the uh, the sort of the lexicon of these kind of games. Um, but could would it be too strange to like suggest that the the general setting of this first like mission or whatever is also kind of reminiscent of um Metal Gear Solid 2 where you like go to the the tanker and it's like the whole game and and people were so disappointed uh that not only were you uh not snake right apparently but you were also like in this one level and you never really to go anywhere else um that's kind of that's what it reminded me of in some ways um along with i guess like old ninja games uh the one i played a lot was um strider which yes. maybe wasn't the best one but was was cool like <laughs> i enjoyed it um but it was really hard like i was never good at these kind of games um did either you get either of those games vibes there's definitely like there's definitely some callbacks there um like I, i'm not terribly familiar with Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, I haven't spent a lot of time on the Metal Gear series, besides, weirdly, the fourth one, because at the time it was the hottest PS3 game on the market. Um, but 
I, I think it is an interesting parallel, especially because, like, the the arc of Raiden in, in Metal Gear Solid 2 and in the course of the series in, in general um, will actually parallel a lot of what's going on here. Like, even down to... Even down to, you know, we, we see 9S like ripped apart towards the end of the um, towards the end of the prologue, like that's a very Raiden thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Doesn't he have the blonde hair too, like the platinum blonde hair? Yes. Uh, even kind of looks like these guys. Yeah, poor 9S. Um yeah, she says something at one point, right? Um, one of the lines that stood out to me was like Emotions are prohibited. Yes, or or something to that extent, right? Uh, and so these these android characters, um, they have very strong feelings, even when it's about not having feelings, right? The way she says it, she's like annoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I found that lovely kind of irony there. Um, but of course, by the end, yes, yeah, she's like she cares deeply about them, and they have this very nice moment in which they clink black boxes and um, trigger what appears to be a, a nuclear reaction, right? And um, and then regenerate back up on the, what, moon base or spaceship or whatever it is? Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. a spaceship. It is not on the moon. That will be, that will be spelled out shortly. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I love it too. I mean, it works on another level where it's like, the player is clearly feeling some emotions, and um, and part of the coolness of the character that you're playing is that she is almost, but not quite, immune, right, to to excitement, to um, I don't know, fellow feeling, whatever it might be, curiosity. Kind of reminds me of the Vulcan off of a Voyager to Paul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's off Enterprise. Uh, but yeah, that kind of in general. Yep, yep. Like super rational. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, of course, you were also pointing out. We were wondering as you were playing, Steve, like why we couldn't open certain things, and it seems right that it's probably one of the other playthroughs that we'll get to see where that crane goes, or right. what's in that, what's in that box, or down that elevator, or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. well, that's good to hear because I was going to go crazy if. We never went back to that area ever, and there was like no payoff for those secrets that I couldn't figure out. You know uh, how how to really complete them. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. That's one of the I don't know. One of the sort of strangest moments is when you are apparently uh, committing, you know, suicide at the end of the boss fight, um, and it's like. Okay, is that is at the end of the game? Am I gonna see this as some kind of, you know, foreshadowing or, or what? What is going on? But then, it sort of is playing with one of the oldest conventions in all of video games, which is like the extra life, right? Um, and it sort of works that into the frame of the story uh, that you are basically able to be uploaded as memory and then uh, put into another identical body uh that's apparently what's going on anyway but i don't know maybe it's more complicated than that but yeah. i thought that was cool uh, that is in fact like mechanically in the game like they'll explain yeah. it in our in our next playing as we're you know wandering around sort of getting the rules um like once we're actually figuring out how everything in this world works 
Yes, yes. So, so we are a machine. Uh, our support is a machine. The pod guy uh, is like also a communication device. Also, can seemingly hack into enemies because uh, you, <laughs> when you're fighting the boss, uh, like the giant Goliath mech that turns out to basically be the entire place you're exploring, um, you like hack into its uh, its crazy circular saw arm and use it to slash it uh, with its own hand, which I thought was so cool. Um, so that's interesting, right? Um, the, the ways that, you know, hacking and, I don't know, the sorts of things that machines can do to one another is, is like very foregrounded there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm curious about how that would be uh, integrated as like, a play mechanic um almost almost kind of like the pony island and hex stuff right where you're like hacking into the game and um figuring stuff out to, to progress well you'll notice that that like 2b doesn't do any hacking 9s does most mm -hmm. of it for her um mm -hmm. like even when you get to control the giant circular saw arm you know he's he's the one who's done the hacking he just transfers it over to your bot so you can control it um, yes. So it stands to reason that if we get to know 9S a little bit better, perhaps we can learn how to hack as well. Cool. Uh, he he seems um, yeah, very deferential, very much the support character. Um, it makes me wonder also kind of along those lines, like where, where that's going to be balanced out by... I would assume at least one more pseudo playable character, or like party member, so to speak, right? Um, we've got like our hero uh, to be. We've got the sort of support dude uh, in Nine S, um, and that leaves room for you know at least one more character to balance out this sort of party. Um, yeah, it's going to be some kind of what's that? I said it's going to be not to be. I was thinking like either some kind of uh, like very strong glass cannon right type of character I, I would guess um, but you know it could be something more off the wall uh, also but I is that is there going to be a, a healer character? or something maybe a yeah maybe maybe a white mage yeah <laughs> um, and is Speaking of which, are we going to be able to watch again? Uh, are you going to be playing again, Third Strongest? Uh, yes, every every Thursday or every Tuesday. Sorry, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Right on. All right, and all are welcome. Yes. Yeah, I think actually next week I'm gonna. I think we should open up the Discord channel so that we can actually talk while the game's hmm. going on. I thought it was a little weird playing by, you know, right. myself. <laughs> right, we were just like in the Twitch chat, which was, I guess, not ideal uh, for the interaction side of things. Yeah, yeah, we could we could do that. Um, I yeah, that's the first time I've ever watched a stream. I think live, also, which was, I mean, it's not the same as playing the game, but it's a heck of a lot better than just like reading or watching something on YouTube. Right. So really appreciate that you're able to do that. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Well, and it, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're talking about transmitting stuff, um, <laughs> hacking and stuff like that, and I'm and I'm transmitting the gameplay over yeah. to. I thought was Another interesting. Level of proxy uh, for less. Yeah. Yes. Ha 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 ha. Um. Yes. Hitting the game with its own circular saw arm. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, I think, as far as the setting of this first area, um, there's there's also like this lava kind of thing at the. It seems like there's something molten and and uh, I don't know either. It's part of the factory, right? That like they're like making machines there, or it's um, part of the core of the you know the living giant robot that the factory is, or whatever it is. Um, that that also felt to me like a at least partly a way for them to just reference like. You know Bowser's castle. You know, just like there has to be a lava, you know, uh, appearance when when you're in a James Bond movie or or whatever it is, right? The uh, Indiana Jones, right? Um, I, I really, it, it seemed like there was no practical reason they had to include that, but I I love that they did. Um, just really added to the the style. Uh, I felt. So. There was definitely something going on in that factory, but yeah, I don't know exactly what they were producing. I mean, you saw all the kind of sh uh, shipment containers um, with a bunch of the different robots, uh, and they're flying around in the background. So they're clearly up to something. I guess it's probably defending against the, what is it, the Yorha? Yorha. Right, which is really weird considering they're androids. Um, and then there's even that point where you, I forget what they say over the PA system, but yeah. it's it's almost like the machines have some sort of humanity to them, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh wait, these these things can actually like feel and think. Um, and then it, that's as just kind of like, no, it's just like random garbage. Like they're robots; they they're not capable of doing that. And then as like a human, I'm like, well, androids are basically just robots as well. So I, I thought it was interesting how they looked down upon those robots because they don't believe they have the, uh, you know, they're not like a sentient being. And the, mm -hmm. the juxtaposition there between on the one hand, you know, you've got these these machines who apparently have something approximating a human resources department, only, you know, 9S immediately shoots that down. But on the flip side, you've got 9S expressing his emotions and 2B telling him that emotions are prohibited. Like... It's gonna get fuzzy here, and you better believe that that you know we're, we're supposed to look into this. It, it will get richer as we go. Um, so so yeah, all is not clear as far as where the the lines of humanity lie, um, or you know if any of these characters or factions are even you know supposed to be human. Well, I thought they they. Did something interesting with the color scheme as well. Like, you start out. I think your ship is black, right? But the lead, the leadership is white, and all the ships get destroyed, including the leader. Um, and so your mech suit ship takes on the the leader status and and sh uh, shifts. Let's say a color shift in, into the white palette. Um, so on the one hand, that seems like a 
like a reference to Ikaruga, uh, the, the polarity gameplay thing um, through the black and white colors, but also like the black hat idea, right? Like of, of who to trust or like who's the good guy um, seems very much like a thing that can change, right? Who's, who's the hero here? Who's the leader? Um, and are they, are they really, you know, up to do goodery, <laughs> heroic stuff, or or not? Um, it seems like it's very presented as though it's malleable, like you yeah. know, to be can assume command at the drop of a hat. Um, it's just sort of like, and then meanwhile, you see this sort of shadowy chain of command behind the scenes, like they have their orders. They're going in. And 9S, even at one point, you know, comments on that. Like, oh, well, even Central Command sometimes gets the intel wrong, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like, they're, they're looking around for whatever this big weapon is, and it doesn't seem to be here, which, you know, it is. But even so, it's sort of... It, it, the fact that we have androids questioning their authority suggests that, you know, all is not what it seems. Well, and... I feel like the most like in your face symbolic right the the blindfold mm. um which makes no like practical sense <laughs> but it looks, it looks so cool right i mean it's um it's like uh anakin or what is it luke who's got the blast shield down right and training with the force but all the time they they never uh take the blindfold off because they're that good at at fighting or whatever right uh but I think there are a few scenes where the character's eyes are um, visible, right? Uh, and I think it's like, it's right as you're waking up um, in the ship uh, that you see like faces without blindfolds on uh, for just a couple glimpses. Um, so yeah, it's like willful blindness is A, uh, taken for granted, right? Uh, but B, like, not an issue. It doesn't affect your your mission uh, success, apparently. So it's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if it came through on the stream, but there was also, like, Mission Command, they had a similar kind of veil over their mouths. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. Oh, I was thinking it's, make you know, see no evil, speak no evil, just go and find someone covering their ears, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, maybe no, the Why does Android need to sleep? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I like I like that. I mean, it, it has, like, weird sort of alt-like overtones as well. Um, like, there's some sort of religious significance, perhaps, to the blindfolds and, um, and veils and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it seems like we are meant in, in a different way from I, right? But, but maybe not that different. We're meant to be thinking about sort of esoteric traditions uh, and, and interesting mind body kinds of problems, right? Like, um, yeah, how, how, yeah. Ghost in them, yeah, definitely. Uh, which, well, okay, so that's. I think that was the the main question I had. I guess like, while watching the game was like, how is she doing all this, right? And it, it becomes clear that uh, at least nine S is is an android, and apparently she is too. But um, I don't know that that like really explains like how she's 
not reliant on her sight uh, to respond to all, all kinds of bullets and um, attacking machines and things. Well, I mean, there is a fairly straightforward answer to that, namely that, you know, you control her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of uh, like Ender's Game style. Um, uh, controlling from a third-person perspective uh, what turns out to have agency um, itself. Yeah, perhaps. My theory was that the the weird buddy Navi character that you have uh, is transmitting it, the, the site to you. But yeah, I guess the player one. Yeah, I'd, I'd take either. You do that with like war nowadays, though, too. Like, every, like they just fly yeah. drones and drop bombs that way. Absolutely. It's like yep. kind of like re- removes the person from the scenario, which is not. I don't know. I don't like it. It's not good. I don't like any of it, but it's just not right. Well, it strikes me that you know when you when you detonate the black box, you're also destroying not only the you know the machines which have maybe shades of humanity, um, not only yourselves which are all appearances human essentially but but also the uh the little birds right like they're not going to survive that blast um yeah there's a there's a cost to all this you know gratuitous (laughs) violence uh that the game is is putting there in your face um so yeah uh there, there seems like there's been this war going on right between the Android forces and the machines that have taken over Earth. It's been going on a long time. Uh, doesn't seem to have much point, really, uh, except that the humans, you know, have ordered the androids to do it. Uh, so the, the idea that, like, war is ultimately not just, like, destructive and bad, but maybe, like, pointless seems like it's also kind of baked in there. Um, but you know, more yeah. Metal Gear Solid. When, when I was playing, mm-hmm. I, I I was getting strong vibes of uh, like Starship Troopers, because <laughs> um, I I think there is a lot of like elements of, uh, or at least maybe hints of like fascism. I mean, you you know, glory to mankind, all this stuff. Like they're just they're just following orders. Um, they're going to a planet. You know, in Starship Troopers, they were going to a bug planet. Who, you know, again, as humans, we don't think that bugs have, you know, humanity, um, which it turns out that they kind of do. And it seems like it's very similar to what's going on with the androids coming down to kill the robots who, again, they they dehumanize and, and you know, think that it's okay because, that you know, they're not uh, superior like the androids are. And I guess mankind, even though we haven't actually seen anyone. Um, yeah yeah that seems interesting right that um well the the directive is there right the voice sort of speaks it but there's no person uh actually yeah um hands-on except well yeah maybe except the player uh so well and i think you know at the again at the going back to what the kind of opening monologue to um, be says, I often think about the God who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle 
and wonder if we will ever have a chance to kill him, which I think is very interesting because at the beginning she's talking and it's more about, you know, like machines. Everything that lives is designed to end. Um, You know, you're talking about design and ending and not dying. Um, And then later on at the the end of her monologue, she's talking about killing and specifically him, right? Um, A lot of the characters seem to be female in this game. Um, 9S is an exception to that, but, you know, saying God, him, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes and what what the themes are going to be. It, yeah, the subtitle I noticed for the uh, for the Xbox One version anyway is "Become as God's Edition." Mm-hmm. Right, so this very Xenogears <laughs> uh, did the same thing, which is a game I love, but I gotta say it's like taken to a very extreme level in Xenogears. The um, the like weird Christian language that's that's put in that game and the stuff they do with it um but yeah become as gods uh in i don't know is is not that far off from right kill god and and take his place uh which again we i think there's like a theme here because this is very much the hex uh sort of late game hex stuff coming out um but like right in your face at the start of this game right Uh, yeah yeah, you know, I, I I didn't know that, you know, you played as an android in this game. So I guess I the first time I played it and I saw that I it didn't I didn't really realize what was being said um or mm-hmm. the, the language that was being used specifically. Um and when I went back and I was streaming it for you guys, like I I was like paying more attention to it. I'm like, oh dang. Um it just kind yeah. of you know became very obvious to me. Um yes. the kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, I I mean, and the game is going to force us to replay, even if we were, <laughs> weren't uh, doing it already, right, uh, to, to make progress at some point, it sounds like. So, yeah, th- those those lines, uh, if they don't change, will become all the more sort of noticeable uh, as we go along, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, I appreciate that you had them to, to quote, because it totally slipped my mind. Like... With everything else going on, I think it's pr- probably easy for it, unless you do play it over uh, a few times. Um, yeah. All right. So, is there any other any other stuff we should make sure to touch on here, or the, things that we can circle back to? The only weird thing um, that I discovered was the whole like self destruct thing in that menu um, towards the mm-hmm. end. Right. And after a while not you know you keep on just saying like no i'm not going to turn it on or i forget if you if you're not if you turn it i forget if i was turning it on or turning it off but it's if you try to keep it off yeah and then eventually you can just do it anyway and he's like "Ah, okay fine i guess i won't tell the commander yeah it took me a couple times to figure that out (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) but it is it is you know, yet another sort of nod at this, you know, who is who is in control here? What is, you know, who, who has agency in this situation? And even down to the idea that, like, that you could be remote detonated by your superiors. Like, talk about removing all semblance of control. Um, just like they can snap their fingers and blow you up. Uh, you know, just 
it's a really interesting moment between the two of them. And the fact that 9S is willing to cover it up, like, again, you know, how much do these people trust their superiors? Yeah, and he doesn't have his memories, right? He didn't have time to, or didn't have the bandwidth or whatever to, to send his memories up. So it becomes kind of, I think, um, there's a pathos there, right? Where uh, your your character to be um, is sort of like the storehouse of the memories of that brief but a consequential like bit of interaction that they had uh, down on the planet. Um, and he saves her life, right? He sort of comes out of nowhere, um, you know, keeps her from from well, doesn't. I, I say save her life rather glibly there, but I guess that's not quite right. Uh, but anyway, allows her to complete the mission, right? Um, and in so doing, he sort of sacrifices himself um, before they both sacrifice themselves, right? And, and again, this like weird kind of nihilism creeps in because uh, it seems like it doesn't really matter anyway. Um, but the the impression I get is that their their relationship does matter and that it might matter that she's the only one who knows that, right, at this point. Um, and well, she can, I guess, choose to try to tell him about it or not. Uh, yeah, it kind of reverses the the original relationship that they have. Like when they're running through the prologue, yeah. and Two B is saying, you know, emotions are prohibited; don't become too formal. And Nine S is, you know, babbling on about how you know it's nice having a partner, and usually he's just doing scout work, <laughs> and he always works alone. And Two B is like pushing him off, pushing him off, like seriously, pay attention, focus on the mission. Don't, don't get involved. And then this happens. Then she gets involved. Then she's the yes. one who's desperately trying to save him, even after he's too far gone, after a little bot is like, um, there's no coming back from that one. And at the yeah. end of this, now she's in the position of wanting to be closer to 9S, and he doesn't even remember. Like, he's yeah. the aloof, distant one now. Yeah. Uh, so, that's that's pretty much where we leave off, right? Like, um, he's, like, calibrating your new systems, and you can either leave on the self-destruct or turn it off. Um, but you do have to turn it on at least briefly there, right, to, to progress. Right. Um, right, right. Um, and then, yeah, we're, like, we're in this spaceship, and I guess we're going to explore it. Uh, wh where should we play to for next time? Uh, for next time, we're going to hang around the spaceship. Feel free to explore. Uh, we'll get a lot of exposition, as you would expect. Um, we will take our first baby steps into the world beyond the giant factory facility thing, um, meet some new characters, and find our contacts on the planet. We'll get assigned our mission, but before we embark upon it, that's where I recommend that we stop. Um, okay. So just... Get a lot of storytelling, basically. Like when when it becomes obvious that you're that you're leaving the the main area, then that's that's as good a time to stop as any. I have to repair him. Hod, get me staunching gel and logic virus vaccines. Then access the. Inadvisable. The subject's vital signs are too poor to attempt field repair. Shut up! Just do what I say. To be, just go. Will you shut up too? Mm-hmm. <clears throat>